0: Today we have heard two impossible pregnancy stories. The first one was Zechariah and Elizabeth, an old couple with no kids, just dreams. God made the impossible happen for them. Their story brings to mind stories from the Old Testament. Abraham and Sarah having Isaac in their old age, and Hannah and Elkanah having Samuel who served in the house of God and became a prophet. In the New Testament, Zechariah was a priest, and the angel Gabriel appeared to him in the temple and said, Do not be afraid. You and Elizabeth are going to have a baby. You'll name him John. Six months later, Gabriel showed up again in Nazareth a tiny little town in Israel of maybe 700 people. He appeared to an engaged girl named Mary. She was likely quite young. In those days, girls were usually betrothed at age 12 or 13. The engagement legally bound them and their families to one another. The engagement typically lasted a year. The girl would stay at her parents' home until the wedding day. So it was scandalous for a girl to become pregnant before the wedding. But that's what the angel Gabriel said would happen to her. She would bear a son. Would that have sounded like good news to an unmarried young girl? What do we know about this angel? We know in the Bible that angels are messengers from God who announce what will happen. The only other place that we hear about the angel Gabriel is in the book of Daniel, hundreds of years earlier, where he came to Daniel and explained some strange visions that Daniel had seen. When he appeared to Mary, Gabriel said, "'Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you.'" Mary was confused and troubled by his words. And so he immediately said, do not be afraid. Have you ever noticed that anywhere that angel, an angel appears in Scripture, they always have to tell people, don't be afraid? Whenever they appear, people are always scared out of their minds. Daniel fell down on the floor on his, on his face in front of the angel. Zechariah was terrified in the temple. So I don't quite get the, the popular pictures of fluffy angels like this one who couldn't scare a fly. <laughs> when the angel appeared to the shepherds outside Bethlehem, you know, these were rough and tumble shepherds who could tackle a wolf with just a staff in their hands. And the angel appears and they're scared out of their minds. Maybe angels look a little more like this, a heavenly warrior. The Bible actually doesn't give us a lot of details about what angels look like. Sometimes it says that uh, angels are dressed in lightning, so they must be really difficult to see. Over the years, artists have taken this scene, this popular scene of Gabriel and Mary, uh, called the Annunciation, and made lots of different images of what they think it might have looked like or what it would have looked like if it, had been, if it had happened during their time. Mary is usually depicted as very calm and collected, like in this painting by Botticelli from 1490, uh, or in this picture fr- by Campen in 1660, you know, there she is, calmly reading her book while the angel is there trying to get her attention. Uh, or in this one by Mario in 1850, uh, she's you know very calm, hands over her heart. Rossetti's painting, however, in uh, or in 1850, shows Mary looking a little startled and confused, looking down. And then in the 1970s, uh, an artist in Cameroon painted pictures of various scenes from the Bible in uh, ways that would be, you know, painted to look like the people around them. Uh, and these paintings, which you can find on JesusMafa.com, uh, show her startled as well what is What is this all about? Because at first, Mary was greatly troubled, just like Daniel and Zechariah, by the greeting of this angel. The Lord is with you. What does that mean? Mary might have heard the folk tale from the apocryphal book of Tobit about a girl who was married seven times, but an a jealous angel appeared. Each of her wedding nights and killed her husband each time. So Mary wondered and worried about this angel's greeting. What are you worried about in this season? What do you fear the most? Perhaps this is a difficult season for you because of tensions with relatives You're looking forward to the celebrations, but you're also dreading them because Uncle Bob is going to be there. You're afraid that everyone getting together will bring up old grudges and hurts that have been kind of shoved under the rug for months. Or maybe you're afraid of losing your health. You're not able to get around as well as you used to. Or there's some sort of scare that's happened. Maybe a cancer scare either in your life or the life of a loved one. Maybe this season you're weighed down with grief, whether from a recent loss or an old one that still aches despite the years. Perhaps you fear being alone. So many of our fears have to do with things that we can't manage. We fear losing control of ourselves and our surroundings. We fear showing our weaknesses in front of others. We fear being vulnerable. So to keep from being hurt, we put up all kinds of defenses. We put locks and security systems on our houses. We get the best medical help we can afford. We seek out friends who shower us with attention. We do things or buy things that help us feel in charge, at least for a little while, until something happens and things come crashing down around us again. There's so much unrest and uncertainty in the world today. Racial conflict in Ferguson, in New York City, and other places, fears of cyber attacks. The Ebola scare. So many other things that just press in upon us. Watching the news can make you not want to leave your house. During the Great Depression, in his inaugural address in 1933, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Do not be afraid. Do not fear, Scripture tells us. What do we truly fear? In Scripture, fear has a broader meaning than just being afraid of something, feeling anxious or worried. It's also about what you respect and honor, what you give first place to in your life the first commandment says i am the lord your god you shall have no other gods and when martin luther explains that in his small catechism he says we are to fear and love god above anything else we are to fear god not be afraid of him but show him honor respect, and reverence. We are to put God at the center of our lives rather than ourselves. The first commandment is the first commandment we break every day. We try to surround ourselves with other things to make us feel secure. Money, stuff, our jobs, our families, friends who see things our way. When you build a wall around your heart and find ways to keep the world outside, it works for a while. But God finds you wherever you are. All of your stuff, all of your defenses, all of your excuses become worthless when you're up against a wall. You cannot hide from God. God found Mary in Nazareth. You have found favor with God, Gabriel told her. She wasn't quite sure of what to make of it. I'm sure that Mary wasn't praying to become an unwed mother. But God chose her to bear His beloved Son. God didn't choose her because she was more holy or more righteous than anyone else. The idea of the immaculate conception that for Jesus to be born sinless, Mary had to be sinless as well, has no evidence in Scripture. Mary was as fallible a human being as any of the rest of us. God gives his favor without our deserving it. When the angel left Mary, she hurried to Elizabeth, her relative, who was six months pregnant with John. When Mary greeted her, the baby leaped in Elizabeth's womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child which you will bear. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary responded with these words, which we call the Magnificat. My soul glorifies the Lord And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. God extends his mercy to all who fear and believe in him. His grace comes first. For faith is simply receiving what God gives. For Mary, that was a baby. God was doing a new thing. A baby even more impossible than Elizabeth's. How will this be, Mary wondered. By the Holy Spirit, Gabriel answered. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. God brought life out of nothing in Mary's womb. 400 years earlier, Isaiah had told the king of Judah not to be afraid of his enemies because God would give him a sign. A virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All those years later, God was doing it again. Gabriel said to Mary, No word from God will fail. You will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, which means God saves. He will reign, and his kingdom will have no end. Jesus is a threat to those in power. King Herod, Caesar in Rome, and us today. If Jesus is the king, we are not. God cuts down our dreams of being in charge of our corner of the world. We want the Lord's Prayer to say, My kingdom come and my will my will be done. But that's not what it says. Jesus tells us to pray, Thy kingdom come. Luther explains that by saying, God's kingdom comes when He gives us His Holy Spirit so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word and live a godly life now and in eternity. Gabriel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. God's kingdom comes when, like Mary, He gives us His Holy Spirit. He favors us with His grace. Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. God is already at work in your heart even before you say yes to Him. You see, the emphasis in the Annunciation story is not on the angel or even on Mary. The one acting here is our good and gracious God. His kingdom is coming in a surprising way. God chooses the old, the poor, the humble to accomplish His purposes. God chooses you. Through this child, God extends His favor to you. If you think about it, it was a rather strange blessing for Mary. As God's favored one, she is blessed by having a child out of wedlock who would later be executed as a criminal. Not exactly the blessings we usually hope for or expect from God. On the surface, it all seems so scandalous and shameful. But the real beauty of this blessing is that in Jesus, God enters our messed up human life with all of its violence and corruption and shame. God doesn't leave us in our mess. He comes right into it to deliver us, to bring us into His kingdom, His rule in our lives. We pray, Thy kingdom come, Lord. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me according to your word. Let me become what you have called me to be. We can either be under God's control or try to control God. We can either believe God's word or call God a liar. We can either accept what God has done or complain about it. What side of the fence do you want to be on this Christmas? My kingdom come or thy kingdom come? This Christmas, may Mary's prayer be your prayer. Let me become what you have called me to be. Amen.